Schlock Talk Radio. And now, here's your host, William Powell. The king of DC media. Good evening, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another sizzling episode of the Inside Acting Radio Show. I'm your gracious host from the East Coast, William Thomas Powell, a.k.a. the king of D.C. media. Tonight, my guest is producer Sean Glover of the recently released film Mothers and Daughters. And he's also going to be offering his Producers Way workshop to find out more, go to www.filmproducing101, that's the number 101.com. That's www.filmproducing101.com. So to tell you a little bit more about Sean, Sean Glover is uh, he's one of the executive producers of the film Mothers and Daughters, which was released to theaters on May 6th, starring Courtney Cox, Rosalind Sanchez, Susan Sarandon, Selma Blair, Sharon Stone, Christina Ritchie, Ashante, and Paul Wesley. Sean will be directing a workshop in Hollywood for actors and filmmakers called the Producers Way Workshop, where he educates them on the importance of having the financial background as to how films are not only packed, but how they are produced. So it's a very important workshop, folks. He's going to tell us all about it, and we're going to touch on his acting career as well. So I see he's on the line, so let me bring him on in. Hi. Hi, how hey, you doing? Sean, how are you? Good, man. I'm good. doing great. great. Thanks for, thanks for uh, being my guest tonight. Oh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I think that your listeners would definitely get a treat. Um, some of the information I'll be sharing tonight has definitely changed my career, and I think it could do the same. Uh, for anyone who applies itself. So, glad to be on. Okay, man, that's great. So, uh, how did you uh, come to be one of the co-producers of Mothers and Daughters? Well, uh, that's kind of a long story. I I started out as an actor, uh, which I currently am. And, you know, one of those guys, I moved to Hollywood. I didn't know how to act. I didn't know one person in this industry. And, you know, I'd research online acting schools, and Stella Adler um, was listed as one of the best ones, and I just made the jump. And, uh, you know, like I mentioned, I didn't know how to act. I'd get sat down in every class because there was actors who were so much more talented than I was at the time, and uh, just empowered myself in acting technique to uh, be able to compete in that environment. And, you know, I furthered that into going into some ma- really notable master's classes like you know, Deborah Quila's master's class, who's a casting director of Twilight, among 80 other films. And, you know, I felt like, as far as my craft, I was really, you know, competing at the highest level with my craft. Most most of the other actors in the classes I were in were signed by, you know, top-tier agents from CAA down. And I was competing talent-wise with them, but nothing was happening in my career. And this went on for, for years. And uh, yeah. I, I kind of came to the conscious realization that if you're not born into, you know, a family that has some sort of political power in the industry um, or you don't get lotto, you know, level lucky, um, trying to climb the hierarchy isn't really talent-based. And then at the same time, I had a friend who was a producer, and, you know, I kind of had the conscious realization of reality that 99% of people who I wanted to aspire to be like, lead actors, were actually in reality producer actors. You look at, you know, most top-tier lead male and female actresses, uh, they have a heavy hand in producing their own content because the reality of our industry is what really makes a star a working actor. Uh, the answer to that is a marketing campaign. Uh, that's what... Yeah typically uh, makes you develop your audience, and and that's millions of dollars. And and that's why if we're not born into this industry, in my opinion, um, with family members who are willing to take that million-dollar risk on you, it's really almost impossible um, to form that audience unless you have a hand of securing that money, which, i.e., that's what producing is, uh, especially executive producing. And and I think another another thing that is, is, is very important for actors in 2016 to understand, uh, understanding this concept will 
will literally change their life like it has for me. Um, I think a lot of actors aren't in reality of 2016 of this industry. Back in the 90s and 80s, uh, there was the legitimate possibility of being discovered. I mean, it happened all the time. We all hear these stories of uh, Charlie, uh, Charlie Stone at the bank getting discovered, among other people. Uh, right, what happened the- around... Yeah, yeah. I mean, those, those were, you know, that's that dream that I think everyone moves here for, including myself. Uh, what what happened is around 2000, 2002, 2003, what basically happened is prior to that, people in studio and executive positions were artists. They tend to be actors who had really great careers for decades, and they graduate into executive positions, and they had a passion for craft. Uh, around 2002 to 2005, uh, the finance industry saw how much money the entertainment industry was making, um, and they based, and they had a lot of capital. They basically came and took over the industry. They took over all the key executive positions at major studios, and they're finance guys. They have no, uh, they don't care about creative at all. I mean, they'll make a bad movie if it makes a profit. So they are not into discovering talent. Uh, they're into people who make financial sense to them. And that's why producer-actors have so much success, because they're able to uh, take a project that creatively resonates with people, but they're also able to bring financing with their project, which leverages the risk for distributors. And that knowledge of that is what separates working actors at the highest level. I'm not talking about a couple lines on a sitcom or a co-star. I'm talking about someone who's having a $30 million marketing campaign in a $50 million film that's seen worldwide in 4,000-plus theaters. I'm talking the highest level in this industry. And that's really, it's one thing to say something makes sense in theory. In practice, it's really worked for me. Uh, For example, in the sequel, giving out, you know, first-time information here, I have a lead acting role in the sequel uh, to my mother's and daughter's film. Um, I didn't have to ask anyone. If you look at my contract, it says uh, the role written for Sean will be approved by Sean. He'll be displayed in this way. I got to decide how I pay myself, what my fee will be, what my percentage of the background will be, because I brought 40% of the budget um, to that film. And so that is why you see so many producer actors as lead talent in films, because they're actually having a heavy hand in the financing. So they're going to be the lead. It's going to be marketed around them. And I think that in 2016 is the answer to that question of, uh, you know, you got to have credits before an agent assigns you and you get more films, but you can't get an agent without credits. So um, I know that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> any any yeah. questions up now, to this point? So you got to talk a little bit about what actors would actually learn in your producer's way workshop. Okay, great, great, great. Now, um Moving on to the actual workshop, I know people who don't have a a huge background in finance or producing, uh, you know, it's it's very intimidating to raise millions of dollars. I think they think that, you know, that's something that, you know, Ivy League-educated Wall Street guys do. It's really not uh, that hard, and there's a very specific system. Typically, the way films are independently financed, and when I say independently financed, I don't mean, um, all I mean is that a studio is not financing it. So you can have an independently financed film with a major distribution deal with the distributor, but independently financed films are typically financed uh, with, one, the first money that comes to the table is called equity, uh, and, 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 and it's, a, it's a very specific system. There are specific equity investors that invest in just film. Just knowing that, and knowing who those guys are, they're in the business of doing this every day. Uh, I think that's why most actors fail in the producing side. They don't understand these basic concepts when there are several equity investors who only invest in film, and all you have to do is approach them with your project. And, you know, there are some checks, uh, boxes you have to check. For example, you have to have a script that is commercially appealing. Um, Books like Save the Cat teach you how to write a commercially appealing uh, script by their standard, you check that box and then you go into an equity investor and that's the first money in and that's really meant to secure A-list talent. That's what equity is used for. If, in my opinion, as a producer, if you don't know what equity is, you're going to 
fail. Uh, and if you ask nine mm. out of ten actors, they don't know that, that term. Next is debt financing. Uh, once you use the equities to secure an A-lister, uh, it, you, it opens yourself up to debt financing. That means that mm. that's a lot less risk uh, because the A-lister, based on all kind of analytical data, is worth a certain amount of number. They have a core audience that analysts can tell that no matter worst-case scenario, this guy in this genre will. And they do all this analytical, analytical data for you, the equity side. Um, and they'll be able to tell you there's a value to that. And so that value you're basically lending against in a debt loan. And there is debt lenders like Comerica. I mean, these are banks that you walk in that you would bank with. They have an entertainment department that all day long they sustain that department by deploying capital and debt film, uh, financing. Uh, they're waiting for you to walk in. But you have to have the understanding to know what you're asking for. You have to know when you go to an equity investor, you're going to say this is a commercially – attractive script for these reasons. It, it hits these quadrants of 18 to 25, and here's why. Um, when you go into a debt investor, you have to have the analytical data to say that um, Christina Ritchie uh, in this genre does this amount, and, and that's basically what the loan terms are based on. And then this third, um, which is probably the simplest, is gap financing. So anything in your budget that equity and debt doesn't cover uh, a gap financier, and these are commercial banks. This is Pacific Mercantile Bank. This is First Republic Bank in their entertainment right. department. They'll do 20% gap as long as you have the equity and debt in place. So 20% of your budget's already there. Um, other uh, additional financing sources are, for example, great website to go to with entertainment partners. Uh, they have uh-huh. a map that shows every tax rebate. Uh, in the whole country, it's a map you just click on, whatever country, and you'll get um, anywhere from 20 to 50% of your budget back in a tax rebate because films stimulate the economy so much. So if you're getting 20% of your budget in gap, guaranteed, you can go to any bank, they'll give you the last portion, 20% free. If you're getting 30 to 50% um, in, um, uh, in, in, a, in a tax rebate, uh, it, that makes it that's a very attractive financing plan to an equity or debt financier. Uh, that is the basic concept of what we teach, and that's how you financially make sense to investors. And, and, and I think there's a direct correlation to why so many people fail in financing top-tier studio films if they understand none of the stuff that I just said. So that's yeah. kind of what we go for in the workshop. And, and, and it's something that, you know, one thing that, um, and I'm one of those guys. I started from the bottom. I spent six years in acting school. I paid my way. I mean, I spent so. I mean, I was a struggling guy right. with three waiter jobs, and and all of these workshops took my money. I mean, we can talk act now. We can talk. I mean, I I've been to all of them. I, I'm I'm one of those real guys that tried everything. And I think the biggest difference between what we do, um, as opposed to anyone else, all of those people have their theory on what they think will work. But the percentages of the people in these workshops and classes, none of them become top-tier actors. And, and, and even, the, even the casting director in the room wanted to be an actor at some point, nine times out of ten. They never made it. They're, t- they're saying their opinion. What I'm saying in my workshop is right. something that is facts, that I've proven in practice. It's not my opinion. I, I've actually done it, and I, I have the contract in the sequel where I'm the lead actor. I can't give away some of the top-tier actors, but I bet you I can bet my bottom dollar that they are um, – I, I can use this as an analogy. If I executive produce, which means I brought majority of the financing to the mothers and daughters uh, for other people to uh-huh. act in, you bet your bottom yeah. dollar the one I'm acting in is going to have talent better than <laughs> In that film, so I can definitely tell you there are some uh, some A-listers in the film, and um, you know I've done that in practice, and, I, and and like I said on the marketing end, um, I did the deal with the distributor, and the distributor pays for me to go on Wendy Williams and Ellen, and I negotiated that myself. I didn't have to ask anyone, and that's how you start forming an, an audience. And I think uh, actors I, and actresses have to accept reality. That's your job is to market mm. yourself and your talent and form an audience. Uh, I was briefly hip-pocketed by William Morris, and it's not because of anything um, that I was special. I mean, I, I don't think I deserved to be there at the time. It had nothing to do with what I was doing now. Uh, I had a manager whose daughter was signed to Interscope, and because of her record deal, they 
William Morris wanted her. Because when you have an album coming out, that's a lot of marketing dollars spent, and they can use that to, you know, develop your audience and, and get you into other things. So, you know, God bless the mom told William Morris that they had to, and because I'm to acting what uh, Kat was to singing. And even though, you know, they didn't focus on me at all because I didn't deserve to be there and I didn't, you know, do my job as an actor developing an audience, something they taught me, I, I think it really rings true. You know, they stated, I was really good friends with my agent. We'd hang out personally. And he said, you know, I'd ask him, what's the problem? And he goes, you know, William Morris, CAA, they're not into building careers for people. That's not what they do as a business. You have to build your own career, and we will help you further that. It is your job as an actor. You hear this for decades. You have to understand the business side of acting. And what that means is an agent expects you to do your job. They're going to do their job, which is really just legal. Um, yeah. your, your job is to for, be a talented actress, an actor who can kill it uh, when it comes to a scene, but you also, as a business entity, have to develop and maintain your audience. That's your job, especially in 2016. And, you know, I think yeah. it's intimidating to most actors because it seems like it's a lot of work. But I, I tell you this, once you understand some of the keys that I'm talking about, it's not hard. What's hard is spending 10 years in acting school and seeing some guy who doesn't deserve it because it's someone's nephew get a role that you're 10 times. That's way harder for me than learning these simple things and adhering to the system instead of going against it. So exactly. that's kind of what we exactly. uh, yeah. kind of what we go over in the industry. It's a little different. I, I could tell uh, most people I talk to, it's a little different than uh, any other workshop or class, but it's real, and it's me speaking from my heart. I think people could tell that because I'm one of them. I've, I, there's not many experiences as, as, as an actor um, I haven't had because I started from from zero. So I think it really resonates with people, and I think I've, I've had the experience from going zero to where I am now. And so I can give more insight. You know, there's not – I don't really – I mean, from being evicted out of places, using my rent money to pay for my acting classes, all the way to – I mean, there's just not a, a situation that – um, you know, from going out to get auditions against, against Chris Brown uh, for Think Like a Man, and not and 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 doing ten times better than him, and the casting director calling me saying, "Hey, you killed that. You deserve that role. I recommended you." But the producer said, "Listen, this is mom and pop money. This is an independently financed film. You're a better actor." But Chris Brown has a guaranteed five million dollar audience who will see this. That's our budget. How can I explain to uh, the investors to take a risk on you? I've been through every 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 situation an actor typically faces, and so I can relate to them and kind of give them a blueprint of what's worked for me. So, um, I think it's uh, more than anything, it's my way of giving back. Because uh, another thing that I think I should definitely talk about is this industry yeah. lies to you so much. So much of this industry, as far as the school systems and the workshops, are are, are complete blatant lies, yeah. and they're, they're just there to take your money. Right. And I never. You know, and I was one of those guys. They got they, they they did that to me for years, and I didn't realize it. And I'm not talking my opinion. I'm not talking in theory. Yeah. I'm talking fact. I didn't really understand that until I started working out of school. I became a TA. Yeah, pay for play. Yeah, and it's really it's really just taking actors' money and not really benefiting right. them at all. I mean, I I would, you know, I was I was the assistant director of the Sterling Studio. Uh, I was uh, I was a high level TA at Deborah Aquila School. The Sterling Studio is the number one rated kids uh, school, and uh, you know the Constance Tillotson. She's a known manager. Uh, she's on the board of directors at SAG. It's a pretty well respected school, and, and as I worked for probably five different schools because I thought that would be a way in. And okay. you know, once I started work for them, I realized that they're just taking people's money. We'd have meetings every Monday to say, how can we keep the kids here? Uh, taking their money, even though we know we have no intention of helping them. Because if I could help someone, it would be my niece. I mean, these, 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 these are facts of situations that mm. I've been in. And so I think it's it's really important for actors to to know that, to, to, to be in reality. You know, these, these things, I mean, and the proof is in the facts. How many of these people who take these workshops for years, like myself, go on to do you know, amazing things. I've, I've seen some of the most talented actors in the world in acting class. Much yeah. more talented than people I see on TV. 
so, you know, it's good for actors to understand the reason why in reality, and I think that we cover a lot of that stuff in the workshop. Yeah, yeah, a lot of pay-for-play, uh, and, you know, people getting under five. I heard, I read somewhere there was diet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it was like yeah. things. People were getting getting paid for play for like a uh, was it under fives? They were getting under fives, but it turned out that uh, they pretty much paid to be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's not. I don't think that that is the most effective way to spend your time or money. I think that um, if you really study people who are industry leading right now, a lot of them have a huge hand in, in, in producing stuff that they're perfect for. And I think that's really how you develop your audience. I mean, I think you're, as a, as a viewer, looking at it from their perspective, when you see people who have content created that they're perfect for, it resonates with people. I think that's a better time spent really creating from the ground up a studio project that's perfect for you. Um, I think you'll get a lot more benefit from your time doing that. Um, and, you know, we won't even go into the financial returns, but I'll tell you this much. I had more points on that film than any of those actresses. So financially, it's it's uh, it's something. Uh, I mean, that's something to be talked about as well too. Actors, uh, they're literally paying actors less and less and less and less and less because they're finance guys and they don't care about what's right or wrong necessarily. They care about a profit, and so they feel like, well, if if why pay this actor a hundred thousand dollars and we can pay another actor fifty thousand, and we don't really care if the film's bad or not. We know that if we just throw marketing dollars at it, it'll make a profit. And so uh, just from the financial aspect of it, I, I don't want to name any names, but along my six-year journey uh, in Hollywood of acting classes, I met people who I've watched on TV since I was a kid who are very notable actors to me who are living in apartments and they're, they're, they're broke and they're having another kid and they don't know how they're going to support them. And, and it, it was so foreign to me. And, and, and you know, there, there's that aspect of it too, that to, to, to financially get what you deserve as an actor uh, having a mm. hand in the financial plan uh, is, 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 is detrimental, you know. So, I mean, those, I wish I could tell you some of the names of pretty recognizable people. Um, and I think that the sacrifice that actors and actresses make from leaving their family uh, to sacrificing all their time to their craft, to their family not understanding them and separating themselves because they think that they're crazy for trying to be an actor when it's, I believe, it's a God-given passion. All these things you sacrifice as an actor or actress, I think you deserve um, to be compensated fairly, to be respected in your craft and, and, and being offered, I mean, not offered roles, developing your own roles that are really going to show your, your, your true talent. Um, I think that you deserve those things for the effort and sacrifice you put in. So, Yeah, yeah. So you got to talk Sorry, about... I know we... we, know we uh, I know we covered a lot. Let me know if you have any, any questions yeah, yeah. about... Here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Now, you know, there's this talk about overseas uh, that, uh, especially particularly uh, black actors, they'll say, well, they they can't uh, sell tickets overseas and the whole thing with that and the funny money and all this stuff. What's your take on uh, on that that whole, uh, I guess, that whole myth about you know uh, the black actor I think, overseas? I think that's a I think that's a brilliant question. I think it's a brilliant question because uh, I am uh, African-American and uh, it's something that I find myself torn with because um, I think, you know, one of the things I think, uh, Rick Montgomery, who's a pretty well-known casting director, he casts Underdog Mary and Dumb and Dumber, Shallow Howl, and we became good friends and he was sort of a mentor to me. He kind of started me on the path of producing and you know, one thing he always said, you'll hear me say this word a lot, reality. He says that, you know, um, act, most actors don't live in reality. And I can tell a star when I see one in 2016 based on how in touch they are with reality. If you're in touch with reality, you can you can work around it or use it to your advantage. But if you're not in, in touch with reality, you can't really fix a problem you don't understand. And the reality is, uh, you know, I, I ended up, making a partner in a production company that kind of flew me around the world to Cannes, Switzerland, Germany, Poland. And, and, you know, the thing I realized is going to these countries, you know, you go to somewhere like Switzerland, there are no African-American people. There, there's none. I, I mean, I spent quite a bit of time there. I've never seen one. And, and moreover, their culture is so different 
than American culture, I don't think they would get necessarily African-American, let's say, for example, comedy. It's just something that they would not understand at all. And so I think in reality, it makes sense. I don't think it's a racist thing at all. I, I think that it's a, it's, a, it's a business fact that I don't think that American slavery would really resonate with someone in Switzerland. For, not that they're not interested in it. They would never heard of it in the first place to go pay, movie, to pay money to find out more about it. And that's okay. That's mm. not a racist thing. That's not a bad thing. I, and I think that as an African-American actor-producer, you have to do the work as 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 a Caucasian actor-producer to understand what's going to resonate in your markets. So you can I don't think, for example, and I'm just, you know, I'll say this. There, there are going to be films that are, in any culture, like a specific, just here, here's the analogy. I don't think a Spanish film that has, you know, purely, I mean, really, really, really true current Spanish slang and not the commercial stuff that we're used to, like very true Spanish culture, I don't think that would resonate with Americans. And that's, I don't think Americans would understand it. it it's no different. I think that as an African-American producer, you have to develop content that re- resonates with everyone and you may have to do a little more work to find out how can this be a more diverse thing it's the other aspect of di- diversity I think that you can produce a film with the lead uh, African American role I think that everyone else would have to be uh, more diverse but yeah it's, pos- it's just about making financial sense to people you know if, if you create a, I truly believe this if you create content that resonates with people it doesn't matter what race you are you know, if you if if you yeah. uh, if you 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 have to do the work to do that. You can't look from your perspective say this is what I like, but I want to force people in Switzerland to buy it without understanding that 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 doesn't make sense. Um, but yeah. if you take the time to understand what people in Switzerland like, take the time to understand what people in Poland like, and you create a, uh, a film that that is true to that, but is also true to your African American experience that you want to portray to them, that works. But I, yeah. I think that people don't neglect that. I neglect to do that and, and blame it on racism, which I think, um, I think that's just not correct. Because I'm a very young guy to be a producer, and most of the people, most of the rooms I'm in, the Michael Lintons of Sony's board and, and things like that, most of those people are twice my age, and I'm African American, and I've never experienced any kind of uh, racism. I'm a very smart guy, and I make financial sense to people. So it's usually not a racist thing. It's usually like a, someone who hasn't taken the time it's to make great. financial sense to someone. Yeah, it really is because <laughs> I I do the work to make financial sense to people, and I'm a bright guy, and I never had anybody have an issue with me putting money in people's pockets. You know, I brought, right. um, you know, seven right. seven figures to to mothers and daughters, and 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 I don't think that anyone you know really cared about what I look like. <laughs> that's right. So that's so my opinion. I could be wrong, but that's my opinion. Okay, fair enough. So talk about how actors can build a following. How do they do that? I think that, one, you really have to start with your craft. I mean, here's reality. A lot of actors aren't at a distributable level. And you got to get there. Mm. If you're not, at least, and you got to be honest with yourself, and you need to like really, really, really figure out the issue of why you're not there yet. That's that's number one. I mean, if you can, let's forget camera quality. But if you put your scene against one of your favorite actors, here's reality: you wanting to compete at the highest level in this industry. That's what you want. But you can't yeah. want that but have a talent level that's at the lowest part of the industry. It's not going to make sense to people. You need to be able to look at your scenes on tape and look at your favorite actor, not, not, not a typical actor, your favorite actor, and say, am I able to compete with this person? And if not, that's okay. Figure out why. Figure out you've got to put more work into your craft and you've got to spend more hours on it. whatever it is. You need to figure that out. That's number one. 99% of actors are are are, are Canceled out by default because they're just not at an acting uh, level uh, that's distributable, and that's just reality. Mm. And you just got to figure wow. out 
um, how to get there. If wow. you, I mean, you got you to gotta be able to look. No one's going to spend time telling you that. You got to be able to look at tape and look at your favorite three actors and, and, and study them and say, why do I like these actors? What are my favorite scenes about these guys? Analyze those scenes and say, what did I like about that? If I, if I would have picked another famous actor, why would I like this guy more in it? And find out what those nuances are and find out what you have uh, that can compete with those. You need to consciously know that to be able to portray that. That's one. 99% of actors mm. work to do that, but the ones who do, I promise you, will have uh, success. Uh, two, I think you need that perfect project. You need to know what that nuance is of what you do that competes at the highest level that's the best, that's going to re- resonate with people as much as Leo does when he's doing his nuances. You need to have the perfect project that explains that. And you need to be able to explain to financiers what that nuance is why you think it's going to resonate with people, and it has to make sense, and that's going to attract financiers. It's just quite the opposite. You're not going to look for financiers. Financiers are going to come to you when you make financial sense to them. So if you can do that, uh, financiers come, and, and that's how you put out a film at the highest level. And I guarantee you, if you put out a film at the highest level with you, with the marketing campaign behind you, you're talking the PR of the talk show runs that the distributor pays for, you'll have an audience. That's it. But right. if you look at reality, how many, it's that simple. How many actors have done that? And the ones who have mm. are industry-leading. It's that simple. Um, and I don't think you necessarily have to be the most special person to do that. I just think that it's a, it's a, it's, it's, this isn't what's taught to actors in acting school. So most of them just aren't aware of the reality of how this industry works. And that's why the failure rate is so high. Wow, wow! That that's you got to do a lot of work on yourself, really, and just be honest about how how yes. you yes. yeah how you fit into the market. Yes, and you have to understand your first one. Mm. The first one's gonna have to be the brilliance of making sense financially to someone else, but still in line with mm. your brand and how you want to be portrayed as an actor. Because here's the reality you have to accept. Your first one, before you develop an audience, you're asking to borrow money for someone to fund your film. So you typically are going to have to do something that's going to have the lowest risk of this failing, not necessarily what you want to do. Once you have your audience or you're financing your own films, you can do whatever you want. But when you're asking someone for money to finance your film, you're going to have to do something they want to do. So that's another thing that I think actors fail with. They present projects that they personally like, and I think that's that's the the worst thing to do. You you need to understand, person you're asking for money likes and what's going to be financially successful on top of that. And I think that that really goes to understanding who you are as an actor, what you can bring to this world, better than anyone on the planet because we're all different. We all have that and consciously knowing that and then knowing the reason why that resonates with audiences and that's your pitch. You don't consciously right. know that, you would lose that person's money in my opinion. Uh, and that person and the investor knows that. So these little mm. basic concepts that, you know, the things I share, you the only way you would know this is from experience. I've, I've, I've done this. I'm currently, I mean, I could tell you some of the films I'm working on, they're, they're at the highest level. You know, we're talking Steve Beaks at Lionsgate. We're talking, you know, very, the highest level in this industry and it's something that you learn from experience. It's not really taught in school, but uh, that's, the, those are the things that 99% of actors don't know. If you ask them, like, specifically to pitch, what is their end? What is their attribute that's really going to resonate with people that you can do better than 99% of people and a good reason why, like for example, if you have had a devastating breakup where someone cheated on you and you write a story about that, uh, that's something that you could say is something that has really impacted me and has really resonated with me and I created all these scenes that are really impactful and that's as an actor I feel like I could portray that the most because that's the thing that, that moves me the most and has affected me the most in my life. And the reason why it resonates with audiences is because people, everybody can relate to that one person who broke their heart. That's going to resonate with an audience. And if you've developed nothing but brilliant scenes that are a brilliant way to deliver that, the financier is going to move on that. But if you right. say, hey, I think this is just like Modern Family, 
So we want to be, it's like, that's not, um, that's, that's just not the way investors invest in film. So that's, that's an analogy I would use. So yeah, you do have to be very self-aware and, and more than anything, you got to clearly know, you got to clearly know what makes financial sense for you as an artist for you to get someone else to understand that and invest in you. You can't communicate exactly. that clearly, then, then how, you know, how, how would you ever uh, expect someone to invest millions of dollars into you? So it is, it is, it is work, but I'll tell you this, I, I truly believe this, it's a lot less work than being lost and having no clear direction <laughs> and, and like going and hoping that some a- acting teacher is going to save you one day. Uh, it's a lot less work than that. So at least it, it's something that's very gratifying when you have a clear plan and you see it working. But the plan that we give, you'll see it working checkbox by checkbox. That is a lot easier to swallow than being in acting class, and, excuse my language, kissing butt to acting teachers hoping one day they save you. When in mm. reality they would save their niece or their, their, their brother-in-law's daughter or, you know, their best friend before they would ever do that for you. And that's just reality, in my opinion. Yeah. So now, Sean, you got to talk about the power, if any at all, of, let's say, the writer-actor or the writer-actor-director. What kind of leverage do they have in Hollywood? You know, it, it's something where you it's it's a tremendous you know it's something I deal with daily right now uh because mm. uh something I consciously realize is uh what I'm doing and this is me personally i I, I basically creating an investment investment model what what I did on mothers and daughters I felt like really worked for me and 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 me being able to secure a lead role in the sequel. I felt like I found my my niche to exploit I'm very happy in the place of the industry that I'm in. And, I, I, you know, I'm one of those guys that consciously look at what's working and how to expand on that. And one of the things I realize is in the directing writing space, I'm empowering, i.e. paying other directors who are making hit films, and it's, it's, it's empowering them. And when you empower yourself as a writer-director, the money comes to you. It's, it's this crazy thing of, um, you know, I have financiers in place who trust me and trust my investment model, and I throw money at certain uh, directors well above their, their, their rate, and they turn it down because they have money coming from everywhere. So uh, all that to say this, if you do empower yourself as a writer-director, all the gates and keys are open. Uh, the director is the key. Uh, writer is pretty up there, but the director, everyone moves towards the director. Talent, a, and I'm talking A-listers, uh, they will take a fourth of their rate to work with the director because – there's very few people on the planet have proven they can make it direct to top tier film. So I highly recommend empowering yourself in that space. You will have complete control over your career. Uh, directors are the guys who say, I want to do this, and they can get any actor they want, and $100 million in a day. So uh, the, the opposite side of that is it's, it's, very, it's a challenge to do that because, like, for example, most people don't know this. I'm currently working with Lionsgate. Lionsgate would not put a dollar into marketing and distributing on a film with a first-time director. They don't do that as a company. Mm. So, yeah. uh, and that's a lot of, a lot of uh, financiers uh, and distributors. So the opposite side of that, to empower yourself as a director, you're not going to have Lionsgate giving you money to do that. You're going to have to go out and find independent money and take the risk of you directing a film yourself. And there's a pretty big chance that it might fail. But if you're able to do that successfully, uh, that is the highest level in this industry. So I'm I'm for that. I, I, I tell people all the time, uh, that's where I'm going because that's when all the doors are open if you prove yourself as a director. So Wow. So Sean, so you gotta you gotta talk about uh now you said first time directors and people don't like to take uh risks, at least Lions Gate doesn't want to take the list, but there's a okay, like you take the Fantastic Four movie that came out uh last year, so there was a Director there, I'm trying to remember his name. Oh, here we go. Tell the story. And mm-hmm. it's like, I kind of feel like they kind of threw him to the wolves. Like, you know, he was like, I think he had you, one. You hear those stories, yeah. You hear those stories. And I, I don't know who he is, but you inspired me of another story. What was the Keanu Reeves movie that came out? It was a samurai movie. And uh, it was a, it came out, I believe, last year. 
and it had a $100 million budget, and it was a first-time director. Um, it was at a major studio. And, and, again, these rules aren't concrete rules because there's no 100% concrete rules. Rules are broken all the time. But I'm saying law of average is nine times out of ten. Major studios don't yeah. do that. Um, so, um, you know, and, 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 again, these are facts. That's something that Nick Mondi at Lionsgate told me personally that, I mean, we had – Robert De Niro attached to a project and the director was a, a really strong commercial director and we had quite a bit of equity, some debt and another investor who was independent on a domestic distribution deal and Lionsgate wouldn't do it even though they loved the project because you know that's kind of their in-house rule even though sometimes it, it's broken but uh, there was a, I can't remember the name of the film but it's a Keanu Reeves film uh, it may have came out like last Christmas, and it was like a samurai film, a lot of CG. It looked good in the trailer. It's a first-time director, but the director was the son-in-law to the to a very top-tier director who was the producer. He he was the director of uh, Top Gun, um, you know, among fifty other hit films like that. So people like that do get shots. They'll get it. They'll get an opportunity because their uncle is, you know, and, and and then you know there's leverage. They'll say that well, he's producing it. He's a top tier director. The director is actually a first time director, but as a producer, if you watch him, then we'll take that risk. And he he completely he completely did the worst job ever possible from a distributor's point of view. Ninety percent of the film wasn't about Keanu Reeves, and uh, mm. they gave him the freedom where they didn't know that. He shot it in a way where not enough of the film was about Keanu, and it was just you know it just the film just as a whole didn't make sense, and so they had to spend another forty million dollars repairing the film, and then Ooh. the film did poorly at box office. I think it did. I don't I don't know the numbers, but it was a significant bomb, and that's you yeah. hear that um, you hear that time after time. Uh, with first-time directors, but it's not impossible. You just have to. I mean, the thing is this. Um, I have a friend who 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 worked. His name is Nick Ferriabi. He worked at Paramount for some time, and he has he has a film at Endgame who did Financial Looper, and he is a first time director. And I think this is a great way to break a first time director. Um, he shot a short that the production values were just out of this world. They shot on Ari Alexa. They used Ari Master Primes. I mean, they used a two hundred fifty thousand dollar camera and lens package. Ten minutes short. And he got picked up by Engate. So I think that here, – here, here's my opinion on the first-time director. You have guys who did the Keanu Reeves films who really don't take it as seriously as they need to. They're not really passionately driven, and they're given an opportunity they're not ready for, and they fail. But then you have guys like Nick Ferriabi's guy who has done the work to empower himself to understand cinematography and cameras and all the other things that it takes to have a – You still there? I think we lost him. He's still there? Uh-oh. Okay, folks, he dropped. Uh, sound drops. Let me see if I can bring him back in. Somehow he dropped here. Uh, let's see if I can bring him back in. So long, folks. We were having a great conversation. And uh, see if I can bring him on back in. So let's see here. Maybe he will call in. Uh, let's see what we got here, folks. Hold on a second. All right, here we go. Let's say All right, dial back in. Hi, you've reached Sean Glover. Please leave your name and telephone number, and I'll make sure to return your call. At the tone, please record your message. When you've finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. All right, Sean, you got disconnected. Uh, please call back in. I don't know what happened there, folks. But, yeah, we're having a great conversation, great conversation about the business. There's so much going on in the business. We were talking about the importance of, you know, when you're an actor, you really got to build your following. Build your following, make sure that you're you're marketing yourself, put your name out there, making sure that you have that built-in audience, and making sure that you, you have 
preparedness. You know, when you have preparedness meeting opportunity, that's uh, you you create your own luck. You create your own luck, and if you don't understand the business part of the of show business, the business that's in show business, then you're gonna really you're gonna really struggle. You're gonna really be kind of like on the outside looking in. So we hit a lot of good points tonight. So let's see if uh, Sean will call in again. I don't know what happened there. I guess we had a bad connection here with this connection uh, over the ether here. So let's see what's going on here, folks. Hold on. We can uh, dial in again. Hi, you've reached Sean Glover. Please leave your name and telephone number, and I'll make sure to return your call. Okay, that didn't work. Okay. Let's see what happens here, folks. Let's try again. Hi, you've reached Sean Glover. Please leave your name and telephone okay, number, and I'll make sure to return work. your call. Okay, folks, and just uh, as a reminder, if you want to sign up for uh, Sean's workshop, it's filmproducing101.com. That's filmproducing101.com and number 101. Uh, you can email them at uh, info at filmproducing101.com or the contact number is 323-645-9206. That's 323-645-9206. And it's all about launching your career by producing films starring yourself. Absolutely, absolutely. Fantastic, fantastic. So let's see if Sean's going to call back in. I guess we'll try one more time, and then I guess we'll have to uh, call it a night. But it was a fantastic interview. We try once again. So Hi, you've reached Sean Glover. Please leave your name and telephone number. It's not going to work. I don't know what happened there. I guess maybe he went under a tunnel there or something. So, once again, so the Producers Way workshop, the number is 323-645-9206. The email is info at filmproducing101.com. The website is www.filmproducing101.com. That's the number 101. And we had a fantastic conversation really about making sure that you understand the, the business side of the business, the money side of the business, and also those workshops, those those workshops can really, some of them cannot be all they're cracked up to be as far as finding good work. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So I'm going to give Sean about another half a minute here. Hopefully we can, can close this out and uh, go on from there. And I'm going to break my rule and call one more time. Let's see. Hi, you've reached Sean Glover. Please leave your name and telephone number, and I'll make sure to return your call. Yeah, I don't know what happened there, folks. I really apologize for that. So I guess I will leave you with the thought of doing something for your career every day. And go ahead and break a leg. Night. Hey, federal employees, what would you do with $1 million? Your wishful thinking can become a reality. We're Fed Choice, and we're here to help you achieve your million-dollar dreams, from saving you money on a loan to helping you save for retirement. Visit us online at fedchoice.org and use the keyword inside. Fed Choice Federal Credit Union, an official sponsor of the Inside Acting Radio Show. Fed Choice Federal Credit Union, federally insured by NCUA. Under the dark you pacify me Hold my breath Take me down, I won't fight Beat on my heart, you drum inside me Somewhere my death Makes the sound no one can find I never met anyone like you You, I made your image 
Like a sin when you're beside me. 